0: Welcome to the Indoor Environmental Quality Podcast. I'm Chris White, a project manager at Win White Consulting Engineers in Baton Rouge. Thank you for joining us for this episode. In today's episode, we're gonna talk about disaster recovery. And as I'm recording this, we're in the midst of the 2019 Atlantic storm season. When I checked the NOAA website this morning, there are four storms in the Atlantic and one storm that's in Texas that came on shore yesterday. We all know someone who's gone through a flood or a tropical storm or a hurricane or maybe gone through them ourselves. They're not fun. Even when you don't sustain any damage in your home or business, it's not something I'd, I'd wish on anybody and not something that I, I want to live through again. Storm recovery is hard. It's stressful. And when it happens, it's natural to want to clean up, fix the damage, and get your life back to normal as fast as you can. But sometimes from an environmental and safety perspective, the hazards that we face, that's not the best thing to do. So I thought in today's episode that we go over some common environmental and safety hazards that you're likely to run into during recovery. And the first step really is something that I think that you need to go through before you do any work at all. And that's to contact your insurance company and get, find out who your contractors are going to be, uh, electricians, response contractors, people who can dry out your house, maybe help you clean up if you need to hire a consultant before you initiate any work. The, the thing to remember is that recovery is a marathon and not a sprint. But sometimes you, you're not able to, to engage a contractor right away and you may have to do some of this work yourself or at least some of the initial invest investigation or clean up yourself. But, but no matter what you do, remember that safety is the most important thing. And that's step number two. Be safe. First off, when it comes to entering the structure after a flood or a storm, until you go in and get a look, you don't know what the condition of the site or the, the building or the structure is going to be. So. Don't go in unless you're for sure that you're going to come out hopefully with no injuries whatsoever. Your safety is the most important thing. Uh, you need to worry about electricity. It, if you need to, make sure to disconnect from the. Uh, make sure to disconnect the electricity. If you need to have an electrician come out and look at it. You may have to do that. And of course the problem with that is everybody's gonna be busy responding and doing other things. So having an electrician or a contractor come out may take some time. Make sure to be careful of down wires near your home. Don't go anywhere near them. Watch out for, for gas. Uh, if, if there's a gas leak, that could cause uh, an explosion or a fire and you definitely don't wanna be anywhere around that. So always, always be sure to, to check for that. And then the structure is the structure in good enough condition for you to enter. Is it safe? Like I said earlier, make sure that if you're going to go in that, you know, that, all right, I've got a, I've got a good clear way in and a good clear way back out. Uh, If, if there was a flood, um, or if the if things moved around inside, things are going things could be upside down for all you know, and you just gotta you just gotta watch it. So um, the other thing is to stay hydrated. One thing about storms is, um, you know, after the storm passes, a lot of times, at least down here in the south, that it gets really really hot and you can usually the sun comes out and stays out after the storm passes and and maybe you'll get a shower here or there but not enough to really cool things down stay hydrated and if you need to wear respiratory protection if you're going to go into an area that has any kind of contaminants that you're worried about and of course the thing about wearing a respirator is you got to make sure that you can actually wear a respirator you may have to have a fit test I know that the average person's not gonna not gonna know to get a fit test from and get a doctor to check them out and make sure that they can wear a respirator but if you're if you're working that is something that you probably need to do to make sure that you can actually safely wear that respirator and use it third step and one of the most important is as soon as you can Get the building and all the materials inside dry. Do that as soon as you can. Uh, if you can get dehumidifiers and fans, use those. If you can run your air conditioner, it's not a true dehumidifier, but it's better than nothing. So as soon as you can, get the air moving through there. Get dehumidifiers, fans, get the air moving through there. Dry it out as soon as you can. If no power, open the windows and doors. Just Air the the home or the structure out as quickly and as best you can. Remove wet gypsum board, insulation, and carpet. Number four. And one of the most important, I think, and kind of a sleeper step is watch out for other environmental issues like asbestos, like lead, mercury and other things. There could be chemicals if you're going in a shop or a garage. You could have gasoline, pesticides, things like that. But the thing to stress is if, if there's any doubt about the materials inside a home or a business and you're about to go in and gut out, if it's safer to treat materials like they contain asbestos or like they contain lead, watch out for mercury and thermostats and other things. Watch out for light fixtures and ballasts and bulbs. So we we get, like I mentioned earlier, we mentioned that uh, you get fixated on the mold and the moisture and rightly so, but asbestos and lead and other problems are there and they can, they, don't present problems necessarily that you can see right now, but they can show up later. And so avoid that if you can. Step five is to clean, disinfect, and dry out everything that you can work on or handle. You want to get things white glove clean. No debris or dust or mold that you can see. Bleach does kill mold and it does disinfect. It's not It's not our ideal or or what we recommend necessarily to use for mold cleaning and disinfecting. But if you've got bleach on hand and nothing else, you can you could probably use that and be okay. If you use soap like borax and water, that can be effective. And it also has a positive residual effect as it continues to be effective after you use it. One thing we like and this may sound kind of kind of out there is distilled white vinegar is pretty effective. And the good thing about distilled white vinegar is you can get it just about anywhere. It is non-toxic. I mean, we we cook with it. You can use you, you can use it for household kind of cleaning things and all of that. And so it's pretty good as a mold killing agent. There are commercial products out there like Microban and Shockwave those are pretty good after a storm you might be able to get your hands on, on materials like these maybe hard to get depending on if there's a run on the materials but the thing to always remember is to get the building dry and keep it dry number 6 salvageable items so if you can what you want to do is the the materials that you that you want to keep that you want to save clean them up. And some things you can you can wipe down by hand and set aside, try to set aside a clean area where uh, I guess a staging area, you call it to you know, as you clean materials where you can keep those materials until you figure out where you're going to put them or you're going to put them back in the house or the business or what are you going to do with them. But materials that need a little bit more cleanup, you can use a bathtub if you have a, a baby pool or if you have a bucket you can actually use that as a rinsing station for cleaning these materials. Things like dishes and utensils, you can clean those up and should be able to reuse those just fine. Uh, We saw after Hurricane Katrina, there were a lot of things that people just threw away, took to the curb that I think if, if they had tried a little bit, they probably could have kept them. I mean, people were throwing away things like coffee makers that, had been left for a while where the coffee grounds were still in, in the filter in the machine. And instead of just taking that out, dumping the filter and the moldy grounds in the trash and, and cleaning it and reusing the machine, they just tossed the whole thing. And from a response standpoint, I guess that does make sense because the labor and the time, if you're talking about a response contractor, that costs more than just to toss it. But I'm talking about me and, If it were my house, my coffee maker, I know that's what I would have done is I would have just cleaned the thing up and and reused it because I don't know about you, but I've left the office over the weekend and left the coffee grounds and the filter and the coffee maker and then come back Monday and you can see a little bit of mold down in the down on the bottom of the um, in the filter. So, you know, just throw it out, clean it, fix some more coffee. So, uh, you know, that's, you're just going to have to kind of use your judgment on some things as you go. As far as clothes, most clothes, you probably can just wash and dry, keep dry and, and use just fine. There may be some things, if you have some leather goods, they may have some mold that gets on them. Maybe you can clean those off. Maybe, maybe so much mold will get on them that you don't want to, don't want to mess with it. You're just going to have to kind of on, an, on a case by case basis, make that determination. As far as your appliances go, this is where it can, gotta, it can get tricky. Sometimes those can be salvaged if you dry them and clean them before energizing them. But kind of like the step that we mentioned earlier, electrical safety. And the, the thing about electricity, of course, is you don't know what's going to happen with something until you flip a switch or you plug something in. So if there's any doubt, I'd Maybe get somebody to check it out, or maybe it's something that that discards. And the other thing is, uh, electronics wiring can get damaged if you have a situation where it was brackish water. You have to you have to be very careful with that as well. Get everything cleaned up. Your refrigerator, your freezer, you can clean those things up. It depends on how it depends on what was in there, and it depends on how long they set. But and if they're gonna if they're gonna function if if it will work when you plug it in, and so kind of like the coffee maker example, you just have to make a determination on whether you want to take the chance and use it. But just whatever you do, make sure make sure you you try the safest approach possible in reusing it. All right, number seven, mold, and we do a lot of mold uh, mold work, uh, consulting, sampling remediation design, post-remediation testing and verification and inspection. If you, if you flooded, you had a storm uh, at your home or business, unless someone makes you get samples and, and I don't know, maybe FEMA or if, if it's a FEMA thing or if it's an insurance thing, maybe they would, but sampling is a waste of time for mold. If it, if it looks like mold, if it smells like mold, if you think it's mold, it probably is. So save that money on the cleanup, the recovery, and and getting your life and your business back together. Just remember this, there's no good mold to grow indoors. So in that sense, I don't really care whether whether it's cladosporium mold on, on a table in your kitchen or whether it's stachybotrys or aspergillus or one of those other kinds of mold because I just know that we're not supposed to have that on, on the surface of your table, so let's clean it up. So let's skip the sampling part. I would make the same recommendation on how to clean up, uh, what to do as far as response, regardless of the type of mold. So when it comes to your, your house, your, your business, the building materials, you want to get the moldy materials out. So if there's, if there are materials that you can't clean up, that you can't leave in place, remove those materials, and then you'll need to replace those. Check for signs of previous moisture problems or mold. Get the space clean. And when I say clean, I mean white glove clean or black glove clean, however you like. But what you want to be able to do is be able to put on a pair of gloves, run your finger along every surface, and come away with no dust and debris. So if you have a remediation contractor, a restoration contractor come in and clean in your house, what, what I would recommend having them do or, or just tell them, all right, this is what I expect whenever, whenever you're done with the work so that they understand exactly what you want. And then they should be able to do that. They're very good at what they do and they should be able to, to meet your expectations. After you've done the remediation conduct a post remediation verification inspection. I mean that that's what we call it anyway a lot of people they they call it clearance like with clearance sampling for asbestos but that's uh, post remediation verification clearance or some kind of validation that the cleanup met what the scope of work for the cleanup and the and the remediation was. Maybe you'll do some sampling after that but the good visual inspection is the most important part of that. So I'd rather I'd rather see people do that than do a boatload of sampling because the the inspection and verifying that everything's clean, I think, gets you further towards your goal than if you just have somebody do a bunch of sampling. Get the space dry, keep it dry, and boy, I, I really don't want to go off on this, but but I might I might not be able to help myself, but. If people are running around in your area and advertising that you need a mold-free certificate, if you have any cleanup to do, it is a scam. Run them off. Don't even give them the time of day. I I know of no jurisdiction, location, anywhere in the United States at least, where a mold-free certificate is required. After the flood here in 2016, there were people that were running around advertising those and all they were doing was taking people's money. I mean, they'd come in. Yeah, they do a little bit of work. And then they would say, well, we're going to give you this mold free certificate. And there's no way to issue a mold free certificate that means anything because mold is everywhere. It's everywhere all the time. And these people are promising that they can get you to zero mold, which is impossible. And I'm going to end it there. I, I could just keep going, but it just it got me so aggravated. But it, it, it's just a scam. So don't fall for that. And so the last thing that I would would share with you is we have some resources I'll put in the show notes. First off is our tip sheet on response after a flood or a storm. And then we have some resources from Louisiana State University on hazards and threats and how to respond after a storm or a flood, and also some resources from FEMA and Texas A&M. So I'll have those in the show notes so that you can get to those and download and take a look. And so I think that's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review at iTunes or on your favorite podcast player. And to contact us or to learn more about Wynn White Consulting Engineers, Visit our website at www.winwhite.com. Thanks for listening.